It is just past 7 o'clock, and we've got a huge show on tap for you tonight. It's Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Harrison, the intern, is here What's as well. up, Mike? <laughs> How are you, buddy? Good, good. Uh, so, Ira, I, I think this might be the first time in my life, not just during, you know, the last craziness we've been dealing with for six months, but maybe the first time in my life that I'm inundated with sports. It's almost too much going crazy all weekend. We had so much to take in, and because of that, uh, we got to modify the show a little bit. We do, because I have an interview scheduled with uh, Brad Belugian, uh, who wrote The Wax Pack, which is one of the greatest books I, I've read in terms of opening up a, a pack of baseball cards. And I'm like, it's a, we did the KPM a couple of days ago, and I'm like, wait a second. We have one of the best golf tournaments I've ever seen. We have baseball in uh, full form right now with all the stuff they're dealing with, with seven innings, double headers, and men on second base and extra innings, and the Yankees having the greatest team of all time. And then you're having uh, the NHL and the basketball, and it's just crazy. And we don't we got to push this interview back because I just want to talk about everything that's going on. It is wall-to-wall sports. As people have predicted, they're all going to come back. And I think we layered football onto this. I don't know how I'm going to keep track of everything. But it was great, and it was great for having – and also I think the fact is we haven't had gone so long without sports, and then for it all to come back at once with so many different things, I think it's pretty tremendous. So uh, Just a great weekend. You know, Ira, it's funny, though. We'll, we'll bring this up first. You mentioned – that all sports coming back now, there's one we don't really know about what they're doing, and it's a little bit concerning the, the later we go. I'm talking about college football. That's the one sport I can't – when I'm out, people ask me. It, it, of course, I mean, I love Penn State football. Everybody knows that. I love college football. It's, it's a Saturday from 12 to 1 in the morning sitting there watching four football games. I, I love it. But it is the one that we talked about had the most challenges. There wasn't this league. There's more players. It's more difficult to do. They're on campus. There's no way they can bubble. All those things that go. And But they were comfortable. was like, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. And they've been for two months pushing it, pushing it. But we're now in August, and they have to make some decisions. And they did make decisions this past week. Uh, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the SEC all said 10-game conference-only schedules. They're not going to play non-conference teams, no cupcakes, but none of those intersectional games they talk about. The ACC said they'll play 11 games. Now the question is who the 11th game is going to be against because none of these other conferences have announced that they're going to play. Those other three said they're not playing anything but in conference. But Notre Dame, this is the first time since 1887, will be in a conference, which is just shocking. To think how the whole life we talked about Notre Dame in a conference. Notre Dame will be playing a full ACC so you got the Notre Dame and you know Clemson and Notre Dame in the conference. Clemson Notre Dame's having a great football team this year, so that'd be exciting. The only conference that hasn't said what's going to happen is the Big Twelve, and we're waiting. I think till today or tomorrow, where they're going to make a decision if they're going to have conference or not conference. But uh, it's going to be exciting to have a ten-game schedule in the Big Ten, Pac-12, and the SEC, an eleven-game ACC schedule. The games will not until mid-September. None of these conferences have came out with their schedule. They'll run until mid-December, and who knows what's going to be with the bowl system, with the bowls, and the college championship series. I think college football is saying, let's see if we can get through this season and what could happen. But I think the easiest thing for they said, they felt, from all the conference administrators was, let's just have a 10-game season with conference teams only. Well, Ira, one thing that we're seeing now is sports like baseball, I think, have been trying to change things for a while. And they're using this a little bit as an excuse, maybe, but also just to implement some things that they that they were throwing against the wall, like starting the guy on second, you know, things like that. Um, do you think that we'll see changes in college football going forward? Because I know that there's a lot of people that want these teams to just play in conference and then schedule, yeah, the one or two cupcakes, as opposed to the Alabama, who might have seven cupcakes on their schedule. And also, I could see, you know, players 
demanding money, you know, going forward or demanding some kind of compensation because they are putting their bodies on the line and even more so this year with obviously a pandemic. Well, we've been trying for Notre Dame for years to go yeah, into, Notre Dame a, too. into into a play, into a, a conference. And now Notre Dame is in the conference for at least this year. But for years, I would always look at the Penn State football schedule, and they'd have it out. I could tell you who Penn State's playing in twenty thirty five. Like they have these, <laughs> and it's like, oh, we have to schedule that far advance. Well, right now we're sitting in August, and I have no idea who Penn State's playing this year. I don't know when they're playing the games. I don't know who it is. I mean, this is like on the run. This is pickup. All going out there saying, you got your team, I got my team, let's play these guys. That's how this is. I mean, this is like summer league uh, at college football. And this is a, you know, college football had been, as I said, planning a decade ahead, uh, eight years ahead. You know, that was the defense that Clemson always had. It's like, oh, you can't criticize us. We, we scheduled this team when we thought they were good, but they're bad. But that was eight years ago when we put it on the schedule. So, yes, things are changing and things that people have been saying that could change, like Notre Dame could never be in a conference, well, it happened. So, yes, you're going to see things like that in college football, but I think that of all the sports, it's the one sport where people are saying, how is this going to come off? Are they going to get this off? And then looking at baseball as the model, there's no bubble for college football, and it's going to be a challenge, but uh, it looks like they're, as I said, they now have, a, they're implementing changes to get this going, and starting it in September, instead of starting the first week of September, the last week of August, is a help. So, Ira, the NFL, we always talk about on this show, does a great job of staying in the news and staying, you know, on topics of our conversation, um, even when the season's not going on. I don't know if you heard this breaking news today, Ira. Tom Brady uses an iPhone 6 still. He's talking on Today's social media. Today's his 43rd birthday, <laughs> yeah. so maybe just I'll get him a nice iPhone 11 Pro. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, maybe I'll upgrade my phone for my birthday this year. But, Ira, we, we've still got a ton to talk about. And you got to start being a little bit worried if you're a Patriots fan, even without the no more Tom Brady, they've got the most opt-outs of any team. Well, I think when people were talking about opting out, it was in basketball, and then we're next talking about baseball, and then hockey, and the NFL, I listened to that discussion of people saying, oh, these players might opt out. For some reason, and maybe I'm, I'm to blame too, and my thinking is that I thought most NFL players would play. Well, we're seeing, it's been, I think it's been 43. The number keeps changing because there's more and more, and it's on, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday where will be the final day, but we're seeing more and more players, and now Patriots have eight opt-outs, and, and they're not like, there's a, some fringe players that might have not made the team, but when you lose a starting right tackle Marcus Cannon, when you lose starting line linebacker Dante Hightower, who had three-time Super Bowl champion. He's the leader of the defense. Uh, he last season had 71 tackles. He's opted out. Patrick, safety Patrick Chung, one of the best safeties in the league, he opted out. Their special teams captain, Brandon Bolden. I mean, you're looking at the core of that Patriots team is not going to play this year. It's, it's almost impossible to see without Tom Brady, without all these players, how in the world they're going to win their division and make the playoffs. But it was like for the Patriots perspective, but then we're going through some of the other huge opt-outs on players that, are, that you know, people want I see I drafted this person, or the key players to key teams have decided to opt it out, and in the next couple of days, even more will opt out. Did you call Patrick Chung one of the best safeties in the league? I, I said he's one of the top safeties that is important to the team, yes. Well, if we're talking about the Patriots opt-outs, obviously people overreact eight. Four of them are real players. The other four players that probably weren't going to make the team. And I think they've drafted capital to replace guys like Mark and Ke- Marcus Cannon and Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung, players who are the back half of their career. All those players are at 30 years old or older. They just took Kyle Duggar in the second round from Lenore Ryan in Division Two to replace Patrick Chung, essentially. Uh, Dante Hightower, they've played a lot of games without him. They have some young linebackers also lost, Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy. That's the, definitely the big hole, but Marcus Cannon, he's solid. He's a good right tackle, but 
I'm not worried about the Patriots <laughs> missing the playoffs because they don't have Marcus Cannon and Patrick Jung. And also, Brandon Bolden's as replaceable as it gets. I'd be worried about them missing the playoffs because they're just not as good as some of the other yeah. teams out there. I know you're you're diehard, yeah. though, and you're sticking with it. Um, let's talk about the Chiefs because this is a team that uh, poised for another Super Bowl, and they may see some opt-outs as well. Well, Damian Williams, the running back and who could have been the Super Bowl MVP, uh, played so well in the Super Bowl with three touchdowns. But uh, he opted out, and also their offensive tackle, Laurent Devaney, Devaney uh, opted out. For fantasy purposes, I'm just saying that Clyde edwards Hilaire at running back, I think, I mean, on that team, if he gets, uh, he could catch the ball 10 times a game and run 15 to 20 times a game, he might be the best running back in the league uh, with a offense like that. So that's just to keep a note that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for the Kansas City Chiefs, LSU, you saw how well he did last year at LSU, in that similar type of style, I think the Chiefs are going to be hurt. And then, look, the Jets lost C.J. Mosley, who they, you know, who was a key linebacker on their team. I know he didn't play, he was hurt last year, but the, he was counted on being an important. He was hurt last year, coming back this year. Um, the Giants lost the tackle, the soldier. Uh, so it's been it, it, just a lot of key players throughout. I think more in the next couple of days that's going to happen. C.J. Mosley has to be one of the most, one of the more despised guys in New York. Two games he's played, he's made a lot of money in, in those two games. I, I have a friend who's a Jets fan. He's one of these delusional guys that thinks every year his team's going to the Super Bowl and it's just not the case and I think a lot of Jets fans are like really bummed out about not only losing Adams but now Mosley and it's like oh our team's not going to be good this year they're never going to be good you guys weren't going to be good anyway Ira but I know that that you know me being from New York having a lot of friends up there they're taking this hard yeah, I mean, look, they're just not. And I think that's what Fabian Bell was like choosing there. You know, we're, we're going to, the next thing I want to talk about was Antonio Brown. And it's just when you think about the Steelers, they're going to have Bell, have Brown, and that Lavian Bell and Antonio Brown, if you want to ask them, they, you know, they would, they would have much happier staying at the Steelers. They would have made more money, uh, won more games, and been in a better situation if Lavian Bell was back for the Steelers. Antonio Brown was still catching passes for the Steelers. Let's talk about Antonio Brown. Um, He's retired 15 times maybe in the last couple of months. Um, the NFL now came out, Ira, said he's going to have an eight-game suspension. So this does open the door for a team to sign him. I got to think that Seattle is going to be at the top of that list making the move for Jamal Adams. They're obviously thinking we can win right now, and one of their biggest weak spots happens to be a wide receiver. I think Pete Carroll might be able to corral him a little bit. Um, so what do you think about Antonio here? There's still this. I mean, he had when the NFL listed is like on for all his numerous problems and every. I mean, he's getting in fight with delivery drivers and moving vans. I mean, everything. People that are painting murals in his houses is just one thing after another. Now, there's still one other claim out there they're investigating, and that could be an additional suspension on top of that. But I think he was demanding for the league, hey, look, you got to let everyone know how many games are suspended. What he was almost like suspended all of last year, it seems like. So then now it's just going to be this eight games. But I, I think he'll be picked up. But Antonio Brown is really on his last strike. I mean, he has got to, if I was for him, stay off Twitter, stay off everything, get in, be in the best possible shape, situation. Otherwise, his NFL career, I mean, he is looking at something his NFL career could be over, but at least he knows now that he might get the final eight games, one-year contract, and then try, try to sign something for next year. I saw Lamar Jackson trying to pursue Antonio Brown to go to the Ravens. How would it feel as a Steelers fan if you see Lamar throwing touchdowns to Antonio Brown against the Steelers? 
I, uh, it would be Rod Woodson went to the Ravens. So, I mean, he was one of the greatest Steelers yeah. of all time. <laughs> so I wouldn't be whatever. But I think that makes sense. I mean, when you look at the Ravens and look at what they need at wide receiver position, the fact that his cousin, Hollywood Brown, is there already, um, it, would, it would seem like he could fit in with that. Now, the problem is for Antonio Brown, he really likes the ball thrown to him a lot. He is, he, he, he is a touches type person in terms of he wants, a, he wants the ball. He is actually and I think the Ravens don't throw when he gets thrown the ball five times in a game and he has three catches for 60 yards, he's going to be passionate about it. I mean, so I think that's going to be a problem, but I think he really needs right now to find any situation that he can go into. Otherwise, he's not going to have a position in the league. No, I, I agree with you. Um, that's, that's a run-first team, and yeah, there's definitely going to be days where he has five targets. I, I don't think that the Ravens want him. I think, it's, I if, think so if, if they, it would only be to appease Lamar. I think Lamar likes the guy. You know, they post videos together, but the Ravens are a pretty tight run franchise they remind me of the Steelers people don't get around with screwing off there and that's what Antonio Brown is so I, I think the Ravens are, are, are going to be one of the last places he would go I have two teams so I I saw them talk about the Ravens but I really don't think it'll happen I think Seattle makes a lot of sense I think you mentioned they brought in Josh Gordon midway through last year yeah they, they tried they played like three games they're probably gonna bring him back also from what I'm reading that makes sense what about the Dallas Cowboys I can see it, it just Jerry it makes sense they would Sell tickets, obviously limited fan attendance, but the ratings, Dak Prescott, you got Antonio Brown going down the field. I can, I can see it. So, Ira, let's um, let's change gears. Go to NBA because we are back. Miami Heat actually just uh, suffered a loss a few moments ago. We'll talk about that. But Ira, I had two different people ask me over the weekend, how is this NBA season working? And I really didn't know how to give them the proper answer. So why don't you just give us a quick summary about what is actually going on here in the NBA bubble? You know what's interesting about the NBA? There's almost like two NBAs going on right now. And I know this sounds really weird to say is that there's the Eastern teams, and they're pleased to playing the West, but the Eastern teams are playing, and it's almost set what, who's in it. Like, there, there were supposed to be nine teams. Washington was the 19th, but Washington is so bad that they can't even get in that. So there, there's seven <laughs> games out. So really we know it's going to be Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami, Indiana, Philadelphia, and Orlando and Brooklyn. And almost in that same order. I mean, Toronto is... Six games back, Boston nine and a half uh, is third seed. Miami's the fourth seed. Indiana's the fifth seed. Philly's the sixth seed. And then there's a huge gap between Orlando and Brooklyn. It doesn't really matter at that point on the seventh and eighth seeds in terms of what's happening. So really, they're just playing for seeding. I mean, Milwaukee's going to be the first seed. Toronto's going to be the second seed. And Boston's going to be the third seed. That's set. Uh, the question is who, who's four, five, and six? Does it matter or not? But really, they're just trying. These teams are getting in shape and playing. I just don't want to get so nervous when the Bucks lose a game. It's they're not really playing for anything but that perspective. So those are going to be the eight teams, and they're going to play eight games, and they're already played two. So they're going to play three next week, and then the East is going to be, and then they're going to start their playoffs because in the West they're battling for that final seed. Memphis, the Spurs, Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, and Phoenix. Memphis has that eighth seed, but the Spurs, Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, and Phoenix are all battling to try to get that, and they're within a few games. So when you're watching, like today, Memphis is playing New Orleans, that's a huge game because Memphis has lost a couple games and they're now falling back and, and only, they are only two games ahead for that final spot. And that's what to look for in the West. Now the seedings are also interesting because the teams are all bunched up. So all the teams are bunched besides the Lakers. Every, all the other teams, two through seven, are really close with each other. So from seeding perspective, that's what's going to happen. So the East is pretty much set. The West is, is where all the excitement is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we started it off right. Speaking of excitement, the West got it out of the way, starting off with the Lakers Clippers. I mean, that game, <laughs> that was exciting. I mean, Anthony Davis came to play, and it just showed you when LeBron is able – 
The, the question had always been, I was watching the game, and I'm saying, can LeBron use Anthony Davis, have this superstar forward center player, does that fit with him better than a Kyrie Irving? Does that fit with it? And is this Anthony Davis, who's a different player than Bosch, and different than, you know, finally, sort of a really complimentary player, someone who doesn't need the ball, that lets LeBron have the ball, and lets LeBron play the point guard on that team, and throw it, and how they can work together. And they were, it was beautiful to watch between LeBron and Anthony Davis. I mean, much more seamlessly. When he, when he played with Kyrie, it seemed like he felt like he didn't feel comfortable when Kyrie had the ball, Kyrie's not a great passer, Kyrie shoots. Even with Miami, they were a great team, but it was Dwayne was ball dominant. He had, Wade had to hold the ball. Bosch was sort of played a very subservient role in that team. But it seems like LeBron and Davis are the perfect. And against the Clippers, it was back and forth, looked great. What's the play? They came out later. It was they have no no guards. I mean, Danny Green and Kendall Caldwell. Uh, they scored 12 points, but they're just struggling at the guard position, and that's forcing LeBron to, to do everything at the guard position. So even though he has a big man like Davis who can take over the game and control the game, they have no guards. Now, LeBron played great. I mean, they kept it close. Um, Paul George tied it up with a three. LeBron missed his chance to win the game, got the rebound, and then laid it up. I cannot believe, after LeBron shoots the ball, not to box him out. I mean, of all the players, not to box out. And they come down, he played defense on Leonard and George for the last play and stopped. So that was like the classic Laker win. Let LeBron close the game out, have Anthony Davis play great, perfect. But that, it seems to be the problem with the Lakers is that they just they do not have this guard play. The ball handles it. They use Alex Caruso. But they're going to struggle in these playoffs. And as much as the Lakers are going to be the number one seed in the West, that's the concern from the Lakers' perspective. When they play, that's when you look at We're talking about the West Portland. If Portland gets in with Willard and McCollum, teams with great guards, they're going to drive LeBron crazy. He can't do everything at the guard position. So that's going to be problem. And Rondo's hurt, and Rondo won't be back for another few weeks. So the Lakers have problems, even though they look great from that perspective, but not having that extra guard. Losing when Avery Bradley opted out, Rondo getting hurt, really is good for the Lakers. And I, I love your Anthony Davis praise, how him and LeBron are perfect for each other, but the one thing you're forgetting, where was Anthony Davis in the fourth quarter? He scored zero points. He was nowhere to be found. I thought he went back to the hotel, you know, to beat the crowd there. The one thing he had when he was with D. Wade and Kyrie in Cleveland and Miami those guys could help him in the fourth quarter. Those guys were finishers. Those guys could hit big shots. Anthony Davis in all their big games this year, for the most part, from what I've seen, kind of shies away in the big moments. Where is he, and how is that impacting LeBron? Well, you're right. I mean, the fact is that this is this – is, uh, I mean, people talk about him being a Hall of Famer, and he's done absolutely nothing in the playoffs. He's been hurt. He's had quick exits. If he can't, if he doesn't, if he doesn't do it this time, I mean, he can have all the stats in the world and be so you know, first-team All NBA as much as he wants. But in really of all the players, you're totally correct. This Anthony Davis has got to deliver, and and, and he cannot. But in that first game, he, I think he on paper and in the first game it looked like he was a perfect compliment. Then they go the Lakers played Toronto the next game and got blown out by 15 and Davis scores 14 points and that backs up what you were saying. Just didn't look good, looked lost and didn't play as well. Uh, so that's a problem and I think what the Lakers problem at guard were totally exposed by the Raptors when Van Fleet and Lowry were able to destroy the Lakers. So I mean there you, everybody has the, bull, the the plan to destroy the Lakers which is on guard play and just drive LeBron crazy because LeBron he can't play 48 minutes, and he can't play three positions at guard. It's Iron Sports on the True Oli's channel. Mike Balsamo here. Got Harrison, the intern, as well. I mean, do you think maybe a little bit is Anthony Davis just not knowing his role at the end of the game? You know, I could see if I was playing on the same team as LeBron, 
I'd be a little nervous sometimes. You don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to J.R. Smith the situation up. But also, you want to let him do his thing. He's the, maybe the greatest all time at, at, at winning at the end of the game. So you think maybe it's a little bit of he just doesn't really know where he fits yet? Well, I, I think... Well, I think as Harrison said, there's a little he has to show it. I mean, he hasn't done it. I mean, when when uh, LeBron he hasn't done it all Miami, season. Dwayne Wade had won titles. I mean, Dwayne Wade knew what to do at the end of the game. Now Kyrie didn't know his role, and it didn't really know. But when LeBron was able to carry him to that, but but it was sort of like a boss role in terms of that. I, I think this is where the Lakers' inability to have that third. I, like I really thought Rondo could make it. Rondo being the success he had in the playoffs, and I, I'm a big Rondo fan, and there's always that playoff Rondo. I think they needed that third, someone who's not going to be uh, distracted by the fact, the pressure that this is the playoffs and they have to win. But there is, yeah, you're right. I mean, that second game showed that Anthony Davis needs, but you know, they still have six more games to get their act together and figure it out, and they're going to be the number one seed. But uh, but LeBron, look, LeBron looks great. LeBron is moving quick. LeBron's moving fast was perfect for him. We all problem then that LeBron goes in the playoffs a little tired. He has his long seasons. Last year he was hurt. He didn't, and then he didn't play in the playoffs. He didn't make the playoffs. And then you're going this year. They have this break in the middle of the season. LeBron is going to be as fresh as he's ever going to be in the playoffs. But can LeBron? And you know LeBron has the 55 point night where he's going to do 55 points and 20 assists and 20 rebounds. You have those. But you, definitely Davis needs to come in. It's, it's going to be crucial. And you got guys like Kuzma or whatever for the Lakers to win this title. And LeBron wants this. I mean, this is the team has to get title number four. Time is running out for LeBron, and that's why he was the one pushing for this more than anyone to come back for the, play, for the restart for the playoffs. Ira, what, uh, what other games have you been taking in? Well, I wanted to talk a little about New Orleans because we talked about Zion so much and how exciting we were about this and the fact that they actually said, you know, unlike hockey, well, hockey did a little bit with some extra teams. There was a thought that, why don't we just take the top eight and just start the playoffs? And the thought was, oh, no, they're bringing this back for Zion. And then Zion was, was hurt at the end of, la- of last year, uh, not last year, in the middle of the year, and then we had the break. And people thought, oh, he's been off for a month, and picture how great shape he was in. Now we're watching all these Gatorade commercials, and he's on the Gatorade commercials. So we sit down, we're ready for Zion. Now I know he left the bubble for a week and came back, but he comes back and he plays 15 minutes. And then he comes back the next game and, and they lost to Utah. And he comes back and lost to the Clippers. They got blown up by the Clippers. Played another 15 minutes. He's missing dunks. Looks sluggish. Um, and the question is, like, what is going on? And I think Zion looks – it's just he's on a, clearly a 15-minute minute restriction. And now it looks like the Pelicans are not going they're, to they're, – they're now three, they're three games out of the playoffs, five to go. So they really are back against the wall. They have to win almost every single game. But with Zion only playing 15 minutes, and that team I was excited about, I think it's a problem. I think that, that we're not – we might not see Zion in the playoffs. Probably, well, not might. We probably won't see Zion. And I think the question going forward is what is Zion's problem? Like, if he cannot play more than 15 minutes after being out for months, like, what is going on? Are we, is he going to be just to be, you know, babied so much because of the fact that you don't want to in, have, have more injuries? Uh, this could be this. I mean, people viewed Zion as like the next LeBron. Well, LeBron does play every game. We question it sitting out some games, but last year he played, I mean, the year before he played every single game. But you really, uh, Zion has got to stay healthy to become this uh, global superstar. No, I agree with you, and I think he's a little disappointed, too. I mean, he had an interview the other day where it seemed like he was kind of throwing a little shade at New Orleans. Like, I could play more. Maybe, you know, when I hit my stride, he mentioned something like that. So I don't know if it's if it's them babying him, Ira, or if it's, you, you know, the, the franchise is telling him he can't do this. If he wants to sit, it's a little muddy right now. I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, literally, and that's the thing that them, they, the fact 
bubble and you're, you can't interview people in the locker room and you're not finding it. It's almost like they're in like communist Russia or something where you can't really get information on certain things. Um, what's going on? But it, it definitely was a big shock when you sit down and you're, you're waiting for Zion to play, what, 30 some minutes a game, score 30 points, get 15 rebounds, and you, he plays 15 minutes. He's missing dunks, turning the ball over, and not even being a factor in the game. Um, what else have you been, uh, been watching? Because I know there's been games constantly. Well, I, I do. I wanted to talk about Portland a little bit. Uh, Portland, to me, is battling for that last spot. They're two games behind Memphis. They played that first game, I think. Friday they played uh, Memphis and that was uh, uh, Memphis was dominant game. I love the people who well, who's the rookie of the year. Like could it be Zion because he played a few great games and I'm one of the biggest Zion fans in the world. But John Moran is clearly the rookie of the year. Oh, yeah. And then you saw in that game he had 22 points, 11 assists, and 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 I'm going to make the statement that based upon what's happening with Zion right now, John Moran might have the better NBA career than than Zion because the, John Moran is developing and he's, he's shooting well and, and his assist and. And in that game, and you know, Portland is going to destroy. But Portland with that guard play, Lillard, McCollum coming back, and look at Carmelo Anthony. First of all, he looks like he's lost thirty pounds. Like some of these players, they use this break to somehow lose a lot. Mark Gasol for the Raptors looks like he lost fifty pounds. But but Carmelo Anthony looks fantastic. And at the end of the fourth quarter, he drains those three two big threes. They win in overtime. That was a bit for them. Off to Boston one. Four uh, in their next game, but it was you know back and forth, back and forth. Lillard playing great. Now the thing is that Portland did not have Nursic, who has been hurt all year. He got hurt in of last year. He's back. Zach Collins was was another was there another center who was hurt, who's now playing. So they actually have their full complement of players. And I really think, I mean, people, uh, me and other people, it's not a surprise that they can get that eighth spot and they play the Lakers in the first round. They have a team that have a chance to upset the Lakers because the Lakers can't guard Lillard and McCollum, the two superstar guards that the Portland Trailblazers have. They also have Gary Trent, who's literally come out of nowhere. I think he scored 20 points yesterday against the Celtics. He's just out of nowhere. They needed another guard like that off the bench. I think they're just as dangerous as any team in the West. But that game against the Celtics yesterday, the, the balance back from Tatum where he scored 34, Jalen Brown scored 30 and really hit some clutch three-pointers late in the game. And Trent hit a three-pointer like two minutes range to give them the lead when Tatum and Brown went off to finish it off. But the Celtics were as good as any team in the East. So I write. Yeah, and then the other team, Go the ahead. other team, Mike, I was going to say is that the Rockets, uh, what, if you just want to watch just craziness, that was part of their game that I think I just don't like. The fact that they just fire threes up the entire game. They have nobody above six, seven playing on the court and they're just going to shoot threes. But um, that Mavs game, they have some 149 over. They only play eight players. And Hawks was 49 and it's crazy. Well, the one exciting thing about that is as a Mavericks fan, and I'm not a Mavericks fan, but if I it, it, to see Persingas play, and if you're a Knicks fan, you're watching Persingas, you're like, oh my gosh. Like, Christoph Persingas is doing everything on the court, draining threes, and combined with Luka Doncic, they are the perfect, you know, these two virtual footers, guards, that are doing everything on the court. I mean, you just need a couple more players on that team, and you're like, the Mavericks is the best team. In three years, you can say the Mavericks could be the best team. Maybe how about two years would be the best team in the West to get another player. But uh, Houston last night they played Milwaukee, and uh, that was a back and forth game. He got out rebounded. He got out rebounded by thirty rebounds, sixty-five, thirty-six. 
on the game. I, I couldn't find a stat, but it has to be the only time in the NBA history the team would out-rebounded by 30 and still won. And you see what Russell, what, what Russell Westbrook, what he helps on that team. The idea that Harden doesn't have to have the ball the entire game. Now, he controls the ball. And between the two of them, if you're on the rockets, you're not touching the ball. Like When you get the ball, that's your only time. Because you have two totally ball-dominated guards. But the fact that Westbrook can take over that game and free up Harden a little bit and get him, that, I think that's, that's why I always think about the right now. I think the Rockets are a high-wire act. I mean, they play at this, there's like the margin of error is so small for them, but when they get it right and they're hitting it, they could do it. But they're, they're playing a style of basketball that has never been played before. But Westbrook does help this team with hard. Like, I do like the fact that Westbrook's on there. And you see when Westbrook is able to dominate the game and push the ball, he really takes the burden off Harden. And, Harden, and that's why Harden keeps getting tired in these games in the playoffs. And you can saw in the last game against Milwaukee, Harden did not have to do everything. It's one of the first times I've ever seen the Rockets play where Harden didn't, you just felt like Harden didn't have to score 50 to win that game. I will step back one second. I think that it's pretty interesting that you're uh, maybe predicting a Greg Oden, Kevin Durant situation already with Zion and, and John Morant. But Miami Heat, I'm, I'm on this show saying I think that they have had a shot to, to go to the finals in this weird situation. I think they've got a lot of great pieces. Um, they played today, and we didn't get the result we wanted, but still they, they, made, some, they made, some, uh, made some late strides here against a team that I think is very good in Toronto. Well, I got to give Harrison credit. Harrison uh, said he loved the Raptors, and I like the Raptors a lot. I mean, I had Fred Van Fleet on my fantasy team, and of course, our fantasy season was totally destroyed. But I mean, tonight, today, he had 36 points. 16 uh, from two and then seven for 12 from three point line. Uh, just one of the best. On, first, Fred Van Fleet was not drafted. There were 60 players in the NBA draft uh, three, four years ago, and he was undrafted, and he is now becoming an all star. That's how good he's playing for, for Toronto. At the end of the game, when Miami had a chance to win, he deflected the ball twice. I mean, they were throwing, Butler tried to hit the project twice, and he had two different deflections on two different plays, hitting key threes. Uh, the Heat. The problem with the Heat was uh, Nunn and Duncan Robinson played terrible. They were one for 12 for five points. And that's the one thing Toronto does. That's a surprising thing. That's what Milwaukee does, too. If you want to shoot threes, that's great. That's a new style of playing games. But somehow, but now you're seeing teams like Toronto adapt. You're like, why is Toronto so good? Because their players play defense. And they can get it. It's harder sometimes the way the rules are to stop people from dunking and you can't, can't check them. But you can get in their face when they're trying to shoot a three. And if you watch what Toronto does on defense, they are, when anyone is shooting a three, they are jumping up. They're tall, they're long, and they're blocking threes and they're, and they're just disrupting. Duncan Robinson does not have easy threes. Goran Dragic's not hitting three easy threes. Tyro here is not having easy threes. They are playing. They, they have a defense designed to stop people shooting threes, and that's what problem. That was that's what you know. The Lakers couldn't shoot threes against them a couple of days ago, and the Heat had it was were terrible uh, this last game in threes. No, so, so let's talk about Toronto for a minute. I told you about two weeks ago that dude, this is the team to watch out for. This is the most disrespected team in the NBA. They're better through however many games this year than they were at the same mark last year when they had Kawhi Leonard and they ended up winning the NBA championship. And even when we had Howard Beck on two weeks ago, I was pleading you, pleading you to ask him a question about the Raptors. Because <laughs> no, no one is talking about the Raptors. And then we see them on Saturday. They hold the Lakers to 35% shooting the lowest all season, 107-92 win. And then you see what they did against the Heat today. Like, I only saw the first two and a half quarters, but they got the result done. They go eight guys deep. They have Van Vliet and... Lowry and Norman Powell, who nobody in the world knows except for me and Norman Powell's parents, that he was the <laughs> Eastern Conference Player of the Week before the NBA um, stopped in March. 
nobody's talking about this team. And I, I was telling everyone, Raptors, Raptors, Raptors. And then when you see what you've done through two games, and they look like the best team in the NBA, the best team in the East, definitely. I think they're going to beat Milwaukee again, and I'm going to go on record right now. I'm going to say, <laughs> get your tattoos, place your bets, because the Toronto Raptors are repeating as NBA champions, and they're going to win the 2020 NBA Finals. How amazing would that be? But that is the reason that they get disrespected is because Milwaukee's so good. You know, if yeah. Milwaukee wasn't, you know, still better than them, you know, if they were in first place, I think we'd be talking more about it. But they, just the fact they that beat Milwaukee four awesome. straight games in last year's conference no. finals, and... Like, people say they can't do it again. They're better through however many games this year than they were last year. Siakam is one of the best defenders in the league. And then Gasol and Ibaka, and they're just... OG Ananobi shot down LeBron the other day. It's it's incredible how no one's talking about this team. I, I, a team that does get talked about a lot, and sometimes not for the good reasons, is uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a wild card in terms of what happens. I mean, I mean they, they lose to Indiana. I mean, this is we're talking about defense. They let Ty Warner, and we just got to talk about Ty Warner in a second. Ty Warner, because anyone who knows fantasy knows Ty Warner because he erupted for some big scoring games. Ty Warner against the 76ers went uh, uh, 20 for 29, 9 for 12 from threes for 52 points. Now, if the Sixers think that they're going to win the NBA Finals, you cannot let Ty Warren score 52 <laughs> points against you. If, if, they can't de- if they can't play defense on him, it's just not going to happen. Now, Embiid had 41 points. Now, Embiid's the type of, you know, he's got 41 this game, and he's going to have like eight another game. And uh, Tobias Harris had 30. But I just think, and then he's fighting with Shake Milton. Josh Richardson, we know from, from Miami, uh, came there. I mean, it took like four shots. He had four points. Like, it's, it's a mess. I, I really think that Philadelphia has a lot of problems. I'm not shocked. I mean, you have teams like Miami, you have teams like Boston, and you have teams like uh, Toronto, of course. Those teams know what they're doing. I just think Philadelphia doesn't know what they're doing, and they have Embiid and Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. But I just I wouldn't be surprised if Philadelphia in the first round because we'll see who they have to play. But I just I was that game. The fact that Ty Warren can beat you and score 52 points, and you can't put somebody in your team to stop Ty Warren, then that's uh, you're not going to win the NBA championship like that. So if it wasn't for Harrison's Raptors, I think we'd all be focused on the Bucks and the Celtics as the two teams to watch uh, coming out of the Eastern Conference, and we got to see them face off this week. Well, yeah, I mean the Bucks won that game, but. The fact is, this is where we talked about the East. Like some of the Buck players, uh, uh, Eric Bledsoe is coming back. Ponikhen is coming back. Bledsoe was injured. There was uh, Corona. The Corona issues coming with Corona, and so we're waiting for them to get in the rotation. Kemba Walker is on a minutes restriction for Boston. So I'm not. When even though the Bucks beat the Celtics, he won 12. Didn't play well. I, I, I look at it from a grain of salt from how the Bucks are playing. You know that they're not at their full complement, but neither are the Celtics. So from from Walker's perspective, that they he's be playing 35 minutes a game. He's a key component to that team. The Celtics have tons of depth, uh, and and they're going to be great. You know when they when they get everybody healthy. But you know that was a good game in terms of uh, of going forward. In terms of like I like I'm a Celtic. You know, Harris is a big Celtic fan. I got I was texting but Harris enjoying the golf. Are you watching the golf? I got the Bruins. I got the Celtics. On. I can't watch. I can't watch golf. So the thing about the Celtics is this is why I don't think they can beat Milwaukee or Toronto in a seven game series. They don't have a consistent big man or rebounder. They have Ennis Cantor and Daniel Tice, but those guys are really unreliable. They need, when a free agency comes or a draft, they need another big man. Tatum is, I love Jason Tatum. I think he's superstar level kind of guy. Marcus Smart off the bench at 23 against Milwaukee in that game. They could have won that game two very controversial calls that could have fouled out Giannis with like four minutes left. There was 
a play where he kind of hit Tyson the groin and then a charge on Marcus Smart that they overturned on replay. That wouldn't have been a call two years ago. But I think the Celtics are right there with those two teams, Milwaukee and Toronto. They need a little more from Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker in terms of consistency. Those guys can drop 30 points on any given night. But it's the jury's still out on the Celtics. If they continue to play well, they play the Heat huge game tomorrow. If they look well then, then I think they can maybe they'll change their mind if they can win the East. <laughs> Ira, what are we watching this week? Um, I think the Celtics, from the Heat's perspective, they got two interesting games. They have Celtics and the Heat. I wouldn't call it huge because, again, it's still not the playoffs yet. But the Celtics play the Heat on Tuesday, and then they play the Bucks on Thursday. So they'll be sort of tested. I'm intrigued by the Clippers-Mavericks game on Thursday. I want the Clippers, I mean, it's all talk, 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 but I want to see how they go against it. I'm, I'm excited when I see Luka play and Pasingas. I'm starting to, like, the Mavericks and Rockets are exciting. And then Thursday, you got that nice little thing. got the Lakers play the Rockets on, on Thursday also. So it's fun. I mean, the fact that you put all the good teams in the bubble that are playing together, that means that they tend to play each other more because not, they're not playing the Cavaliers or the Knicks or some of these other terrible teams. So exciting. And I, I want to add the one point, and, and I'd love to hear what your guys' comments were. I, I don't miss the fans as much. I thought I would. I thought the first game, it was weird, but once you start watching these games, I'm not missing it. I mean, I think in all the games I've been watching, it's not been as I thought I would, and I just think I'm still enjoying watching the games. Uh, it's weird, but, and you get used to it. It's almost like the first time game, I was a little shocked by no fans, and I thought it was, I think the lighting could be better. I think it's a little delayed, but I like to have that. People seem to like the little the fans in the stands that are showing the videos, and not just fake cutouts like doing baseball, but actually fans on a video watching the game. I think that's a little neat, and I think they do better than the end the major league baseball with the music and how the music's going things. And a lot of times we're watching NBA games people are again with us said about that major league baseball the fans are all at the bar down low at the VIP clubs getting their drinks not even sitting in their seats as you know as I'm there the game's like how are you missing this game stop drinking you know come out and watch the game but uh, um, but I think from all you know this is a great start I was I'm pumped for the NBA I, I was actually extremely enjoyable watching these games you know it's not bothering me at all and speaking of, um, you know, fans in the stands for baseball, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, I think it was Oakland has Steve Bartman as one of their... <laughs> he finally made it back to a game. Yeah, they got him in their, uh, in their crowd. Let's talk about baseball here. Um, football has Antonio Brown, Ira, and baseball has Johannes Cespedes. <laughs> this guy is just out there, and I know the Mets are doing everything they can. They've got the DH spot, but I have no idea what, what, what you're going to get from this guy day in and day out, and I think he's out of the season now. I think one of the most interesting things in sports is when you hear that a team is playing, and we, we saw that a couple last year with the Steelers when they were playing Jacksonville Jaguars, and the rumor was going around is that you're playing a game, and a star player is supposed to be at the game, and when the crowd comes in, we don't know where he is. That's always a bad side, where you do not know where someone is supposed to be at the game. It's clearly, he knows he's supposed to be at the game. The team knows he's supposed to be at the game. We're not at the game. It's not like he was late on curfew or late on this. It's like, there's a game, you're supposed to be there, and you're wondering, how in the world, when they're supposed to be in a bubble, when they're supposed to not really be in a bubble, but they're supposed to stay at the team hotel, how do you lose Yolanda Nessus? I mean, how do you no, you're not supposed to lose somebody, especially now in a bubble. And that was the rumor that's coming out. Of the and then you get concerned because you don't want something, of course, to happen. But then he was found. It was like, you know, someone was able to find assessment. And then he made an announcement that he's off the after the season. And I look like an idiot because in the first game, he had a home run. And I'm like, I told you, Cespedes is going to have this great year. He's going to be amazing. The Mets are going to be fantastic. And all my Mets fans were all like, you're crazy, Ira. You're crazy. We still love the Mets. It's the Mets. 
And again, I just drank the Kool-Aid of the Mets. I was wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say when I was wrong, I was 100% wrong about them. They are a complete disaster, and Zespedes couldn't even make it through the first week. And a half <laughs> They're the of Cleveland Browns of baseball. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Ira, you have, you have self-aware Mets fan friends, because all my Mets fans' friends are, del- are delirious. So <laughs> good to know that some of your friends are a little more grounded. Um, anything else going on in baseball before we talk about some of these games? Um, how about the seven inning doubleheaders? I, I love how baseball, like for, I guess, what, 150 years, like baseball was nine inning baseball games, and then they decided just now because they have to make up all these games, and they're trying to figure out how to make up the games because you thrown out. So, like, right now, this is what everyone said. they got to cancel the baseball season. You saw how they're dealing with it. They're, my, the, the Marlin players couldn't play. There was an outbreak on the team. It was, it was luckily it did affect the Phillies so much. The Phillies had few games. You do the rapid testing, keep the games. You saw the Yankees were supposed to play the Phillies, but they moved to play the Orioles. You know, they all fly their own private planes. They're not like trying to book a flight on Southwest and seeing connections. They, each team has their own private jets. They just get in their jets, and if they have to fly to Baltimore or they have to fly to, to Miami or to Philadelphia, the jet lands. And they're all short little flights, and that's what they handle. And they handled that right. But I think the seven-inning doubleheaders are going to play a doubleheader, I think, this week. Uh, the Marlins will play on Wednesday, the first time they'll have two seven-inning games, which I think is great to try to get this through. And uh, now the Marlins have only played three games, but they're going to try to catch that up and now the Cardinals have an outbreak of Corona and they're going to have to probably lose a week and have that come back. But I still think that I, look there. I still think baseball can can get through this if they can handle it. Now you can't have it with four or five teams, but if it's just be one team, they'll try to get through these games. So Ira, here's a, here's a stat. I, I like this a lot. Since the beginning of 2019, 22 of Aaron Judge's 31 home runs have either tied the game or given the Yankees the lead. That is clutch. And as a Yankee fan right now, I feel as good as I have since probably like 1998. I mean, this is just phenomenal what this team's doing. Do you want to jump, to, jump into some, to, before I were talk, do you want to jump into some Aaron Judge trivia for the week? Sure, bud. All right, so five straight games, the home runs for Mr. Judge. They play again tonight. Mm-hmm. If he hits one again, it'll be six. Do you know the last player who hit more than five home runs in a row as a Yankee? As a Yankee. I already guess here. Before A Rod, two thousand seven. No, before A Rod. He tied. He tied A Rod last night. Who Tino is Martinez? above? It's Don Don Mattingly. It is my Marlins manager, Don Mattingly. In nineteen eighty-seven, went eight straight games from July eighth to the eighteenth. Very impressive stuff. Um, Ira, but like we were saying, this Yankees team talk about fun baseball to watch every night. Well, I think what, like last night, they play the Red Sox, and it's just indicative of the entire season. So James Paxton is a disaster as a starting pitcher. He is between Otani for the Angels and Paxton. No, I mean, you're thinking, okay, the, he's now pitched four innings. He's given up six runs. He's left. I, has he, I don't even know if he's made an out. I don't know how he's got through his four innings in two games. But it's a desire for someone who the Yankees had high hopes for. And, but still, they get down in the game. And then you look at the outfield, and Hicks, they hit the ball to the Aaron Hicks in, in, the, in right field. And twice, he just let, looked like a little leaguer out there, like, well, just let the ball bounce. Not even run there. I lost the ball twice. And then Antohar was playing left field and they hit the ball he comes to go up to it and he just bounces off his club and runs i mean they look like the bad news bears but they're so good it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because you're like watching the game like, oh oh my god the yankees but you know the judge is going to hit home runs and and dj lemayo is hitting 400 and geo ursula is two home runs six rbis luke voigt their first baseman is Bounding home runs, three home runs. Stanton, two home runs. I mean, Tor- Labor Torres, who people think could be the MVP of the league soon, 
uh, Aaron Hicks and Gary Sanchez aren't even hitting, and they're still seven and one, dominating the league. Uh, the Yankees are everything I thought they would be, except the pitching isn't. They're going to get Tanaka back, and I think if they could trade and Holzman lights out pitching, they get another pitcher on that team. I mean, they're. I just. They, that's why I said they're going to win fifty of the, uh, the sixty games. I think that it's hard to see them lose. So. One of the teams that is doing better than I thought they were going to be and could be a lot better if they hit a little bit better is the Cleveland Indians. And these guys are just pitching well. Here's a good stat. Um, the Cleveland Indians had allowed less runs. The starting pitchers had allowed less runs in 39 innings than Corey, uh, not Corey Kluber, Craig Kimbrell did in .1 innings. Craig <laughs> Kimball gave up four <laughs> runs in point one. Uh, Cleveland was at three. But this AL Central, I, I kind of, I don't really trust Minnesota that much. I thought the White Sox were going to be better, but this is turning out to maybe be the best uh, division in the in the AL. Well, I think I do trust Minnesota. Minnesota played well What's last year. The I mean, they are. We're talking about the Toronto like Raptors. <laughs> but Nelson Cruz, three home runs, 12 RBIs. Max Kepler, three home runs. And I think Kedzineida, they finally have a pitcher who came from the Dodgers, and the Dodgers sort of didn't really, you know, they didn't really love him that much. And he comes over, he had two good starts, 2-0, and one at hitting 164. So I think, look, Minnesota hit over last year. If this was the first year Minnesota was doing this, I'd say no. But they, they had it. They won 100 games last year. I think that Minnesota's a really good team, and they look like to be on paper right now, or whatever, not even on paper, on actually playing the second-best team in the Central. Now, I have to say something for as a Pirate fan. They are doomed because they have to play. <laughs> they have to play everybody in their division, which is the Central. So they play the entire Central of the, of the, uh, of the, of the, of the National League, which has the uh, Cubs and the Cards and the, and the Reds who are playing great and the Brewers. But then they have to play Minnesota, Chicago, Cleveland. I mean, are the Pirates going to win 10 games? I think like, they were I doomed mean, far before the schedule came out, Ira. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, I mean, they, they're not getting a very easy break here. And, yeah, the Central's just good. And, you know, Kenta Mato was always one of those guys that you got just no respect anyway. You could grab him in fantasy in the last rounds, and he'd always put up great numbers with, with L.A. Maybe getting out of that L.A. limelight's a little better for him, too. You know, kind of hide yourself in Minnesota because he doesn't seem like a very public guy. Uh, what's going on in the AL West? Well, the AL West is a, is a mess now for the Astros. I said the one team I thought could challenge the Yankees were the Astros. Verlander is, he had it with his arm. They don't know. At first, it was announced he wasn't going to pitch. He was going to be out for the season. He says, no, it's going to be too weak. But they really are hurt at starting pitchers. They lost Garrett Cole. And they're five and four. They just took two and three from the Angels. Michael Brantley's playing well for them. Uh, but now, as soon as their closer goes on the, on the DL, um, they were, the Astros were favored, I think, 80 consecutive starts, one of, the, one of the records in baseball. And they finally, I think, a game last week weren't, weren't the favorite for. But, uh, Look, I still think they're going to win this division, uh, but that just I don't without this without Verlander, there's no chance to beat the to beat the Yankees, and losing a soon is going to hurt. Um, I think one of the things, and, and I think I don't know if Harrison, I'm going to give you credit on this, but the Angels are a mess. Well, they're a disaster. He was supposed to be like the next Babe Ruth, you know, in terms of, I mean, I just, I read this beautiful article in Sports Illustrated that went on about everything, and he's hitting, you know, the fact that he's going to be hitting and pitching, and he's going to be one of the best hitters in the league and one of the best pitchers in the league. He's not good either. He had, he's had two starts. He's got through 1.2 innings, eight walks. Seven runs. He's a thirty-seven point eight zero ERA. So I, that would not even be good as a defense in football, let alone in, in as a pitcher. And he's only hitting one forty-eight. So he's a disaster. And Anthony Rendon, who they brought in from Washington, their big free agent, has done nothing. I saw 
can have. And uh, I guess the exciting thing for them is Albert Pujols has hit two home runs. So he's at 658 home runs, which is only two away from Mays. And, and Mike Trout was on maternity leave for his or daughter, uh, the last uh, uh, three or four games, but he's back with the Angels. But they really had this horrendous start for the Angels, for a team that I think a lot of people had high hopes for, including me, uh, weren't able, are not playing well. Yeah, I was well wrong about the Angels, (laughs) but I could segue that into the Braves, who are first place in the NL East right now. They're off to an awesome start. They are 7-3, and the team I picked to win the World Series. Dansby Swanson, two home runs. Left it helps when you play so the far. Mets six times. Yes, but yeah, it does. You're playing good. the Mets, you're playing the Marlins when they do play, and the Marlins come back eventually. Uh, Ronald Acuna not playing well, but the guys like Marcelo Zuna, Freddie Freeman is stepping up, uh, Max Friday and Mike Soroka uh, out pitching. And yeah, the Braves their other three anyone, pitchers you know? have a 20 oh, yeah. ERA, though. So it's it, it's a little feast Well, they got rid of uh, Mike Fultonitz. Fultonitz, Fulton, yeah. yeah. It's not a name I can say. <laughs> but they got rid of him after one start. But even then, they're just... Still look like a really good team, even with losing Josh Donaldson to the Twins in the offseason. So I feel good about the my Braves pick to win the World Series early on. I feel good about it now. And the NL, the NL is not as great as people thought it would be. So it's good to feel about. Um, so we, we, we're we flying through this tonight on Iron Sports. We've got just about 10 minutes left. Uh, I'm Mike Balsamo. Harrison, uh, the interns here as well on the True Oldies channel. Ira, you talked about the NL Central before, and this is always a very competitive division, and we're seeing it this year. The Cubs, wow. I mean, they are, you know, it's like last year, I think the, the wheels fell off a little bit of them. But this year, Javier Baez, Schwarber, Hap, Rizzo, three home runs each. Um, they're getting the pitching. Tyler Chatwood, two starts, 12 innings, 19 strikeouts. I think a record in like that number, of like the first two starts. Uh, they have Lester and Darvish in the, in the other uh, the rotation. Um, boy, the Cubs look great. They look like a team that is going to, you know, that actually challenge the Dodgers in the playoffs. So I, they're playing great. And uh, you know, Cincinnati's going to, they're four and five, but Trevor Bowers pitched great. Sonny Gray's pitched great. And Cardinals have only two and three. But the whole division is exciting. Looking at a point that every one of those teams that just make the playoffs. Except for the horrendous, but uh, who they play minutes for the White the Indians, but uh, but no, the Cubs look fantastic in the Central. Uh, one thing that seems to be a constant every year, Ira, is the Colorado Rockies can really win some games, and they're leading right now um, over the LA Dodgers just based off win percentage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I think the Dodgers are seven three. They have a plus thirty run, uh, the highest in baseball. Um, the Kershaw was out. They had some weird games. They were worried when they played the Astros. Joe Kelly decided he was. I thought it was funny that Joe Kelly, who played for the Red Sox, who I was watching the games beat the Dodgers, is suddenly the guy for the Dodgers is going to throw at the Astros players. But even though Kelly was managed by the person that was running the Astros <laughs> signs. I don't understand it all. I know it's confusing, but the fact is, I, I, this whole throwing at people and causing fights and everything, and then they're mad that they've suspended eight games. But no, the Dodgers are seven three. You know, is off to a terrible start. They don't but look like together. Their Dodgers will win. The Dodgers will win the, the National League. But the fact is, they, they they don't look like the Yankees. That's the one thing. They don't look as good as the Yankees do. But it's early. It's well, early, but it's ten games out of sixty. But uh, but San Diego, you know, a little as a hidden secret, you want San Diego. Uh, a lot of great young players like Fernando Tatis Jr. has two home runs, nine RBIs. They're starting. They're starting to play better in terms of the young players last year that didn't look overmatched, but now are back. And remember, they had Manny Machado on that team. So uh, I, you know, a sneaky look at San Diego. I have no idea how. San Francisco five. Um, they are a minor league baseball team. It's amazing that they've won five games. But just shows you how bad Pirates are. The fact that San Francisco could win five <laughs> games, the Pirates have won two. We've got just about uh, seven or eight minutes left here. Ira, you mentioned what a great weekend of golf, and I, 
you know that I love Ricky Fowler, and I'm looking at him like, wow, maybe Ricky can get something back going here. And then he just had a terrible Sunday, and we saw everyone else succeed. What? What? I mean, first of all, Brooks Kepka for him for Brooks to come on, and there was, there was the knee injury, and, and he's just rounding into form, and he had a great. This tour was exciting because at the end you're having Kepka, Justin Thomas, uh, all battling it out, and and at one point. On Sunday, what was exciting about it was you had five players at 11 under, and it was like, oh my God, five way tie. Kepka, Daniel Berger, uh, Justin Thomas, I mean, all West Palm Beach golfers, <laughs> Brandon Todd and Tim Lewis, all at 11 under. And uh, then at that point, but Fowler had all just fallen apart on Sunday. And then we're mentioning no Rory McElroy. He was one for like work, to be honest. But came down to the end, and then Kepka uh, hit the ball on it. I mean, Thomas made some key putts, and then, and, uh, and, uh, and then Kepka's team uh, hits the drive in the water. I mean, Kepka looked like that, but on 17, hit a 59-foot putt to birdie that hole to get the back to the one stroke. So if he would have birdied 18 and Thomas Parr's 18, he would have put a playoff. But then Kepka on 18 hits a dive into the water uh, and lets Thomas come back and, uh, and, and, and but now he, we talked about John Rahm being number one last week or two weeks ago. He's now, now Justin Thomas is number one in the world. Now he's been number one before, but it was Justin Thomas's uh, 13 wins. He's the third youngest in the last 30 years to win 13 wins behind Jack and Tiger. And he's one month before Rory and a few months before Phil Mickelson. So it just gives you an idea where Justin Thomas is in the rarefied air of, of these players to be just behind Jack and Tiger and just, behind the, just in front of Rory and, uh, and Phil Mickelson. No, it really does say a lot, and we love uh, rooting for Justin Thomas on this show. So huge win for him over the weekend in what was amazing golf. That I, I, I think you know we're all kind of we were all Harrison a little bit. I wanted to watch as much of it as I could, but there was so much so going much. on. It was you know it was tough to keep up with everything. Um, Harrison, MLS is back. All right, so we're nearing the end of this MLS is back tournament. The semifinals are set for this week, Wednesday at 8 p.m. of the Philadelphia Union take on the Portland Timbers. Philadelphia beat New England in the round of 16, and then beat Sporting KC. 3-1 in the quarters. Portland took down Cincinnati in case in the round of 16 and rallied back on Saturday night from down 1-0 early to Mike's NYCFC to win 3-1. Thursday at 8 p.m. we're going to have Orlando City take on Minnesota United in the other semi. Minnesota beat Columbus in penalties and then dominated San Jose 4-1 on Friday. For Orlando, we saw them beat Miami on opening night of the tournament. No one expected them to get this far. They beat or uh, Montreal 1-0 in the round of 16. And then Friday, I actually watched this entire match. Great match between the team I picked to win this tournament, LAFC, taking on Orlando. LAFC had a goal taken off VAR in the first half. Orlando City missed a penalty kick. Bradley Wright Phillips of LAFC scored in the 60th. Looks like it was going to win the game, but then um, they scored. Uh, Orlando scored a header in the 90th minute to force PKs, where they took it 5-4. So all four of these teams had long odds to get here entering the tournament. Uh, Portland was 22-1. to Minnesota was 25-1. to Philadelphia was 40-1. to And, uh, yeah. It's just been a crazy tournament, and we're nearing the semifinals. The tournament's almost over. How did you pass up an opportunity to say Joel Moutinho? Joel Moutinho? <laughs> I, I don't want to risk saying it wrong. <laughs> um, I just love the name Joel. Um, NHL's going on, and i got to tell you, as a, a diehard hockey fan, not a good weekend for me. Oh, no. Not at <laughs> New all. York Rangers didn't look good. Florida Panthers didn't look good. National Predators, three of the teams I really support, uh, just, just didn't have what it took. Yeah, and my Boston Bruins all got dominated. Four one against the Philadelphia Flyers, a team that had played them well early in the season. The Bruins won the President's Trophy for the season. The only team in the NHL to get to 100 points in the shortened season. They did not play well. I think what the deal with some of this round robin, every team that is in the top four of their conference is playing three games against each other. 
from what I watched the Avalanche Blues game last night and the Bruins Flyers game yesterday, these teams were just not showing much urgency. They were kind of just letting it go by, letting it flow. Home ice doesn't matter. Seating doesn't really matter because the qualifying is going to be so random with the results. Like we saw Montreal might beat Pittsburgh. That game yeah. starts in a little while. But I don't, I think those teams are in cruise control right now. They're going to... Just let it go how it goes. Nothing, no pressure. You know, I, one of the bigger shocks to me was the Chicago Blackhawks beating uh, Connor McDavid, yep. Leon Draisaitl, and the Oilers. Didn't see that one coming. A lot of people had the Oilers set to sweep, and the Blackhawks just haven't been a good team in, in quite a while. And Ira, how did you feel about? You know, everyone thought Pittsburgh was just going to absolutely the roll, Penguins are in a lot of trouble. These guys, right now. And, they, and they lost to Montreal, which is just not a good team. Well, I think the one thing is, I mean, so many series, when you look at hockey, so many of these series, it's one of the series that teams come back to 3-0, and then they force Game 7. Uh, the fact that it's only a five-game series for these first rounds, it is crucial, and it is a situation that you're going to have to turn around and come back, and for the Penguins to go down in the game, like, you do not want to, in this type of series, you don't want to be down, because if you get down, because they're so, now the team is, they don't have to win four. I know that sounds really weird. There's a big difference between winning four and three, and I think that uh, you you just do not want to go down uh, 1-0, 2-0, and I think it's going to put you in a lot of trouble. And you don't have the home ice advantages. A lot of the teams we see in hockey, there, there is that advantage when they go back and they get the home ice and the teams are all excited and they get all this and they get wound up. You're not going to have that, that, uh, that energy. So if you're down, say you're down 2-0 in a series. I don't know if you have that push to come back to, to go and try to close out that series. But Ira, you talked about these teams don't have home ice. These teams are away from home. What about the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are literally playing on their home ice? They were shut out by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Their goalie, uh, Jonas Corpisalo. Thank you, Mike. (laughs) They just, Toronto allegedly built this super team a few years ago. They signed John Tavares. They have a rising star, Austin Matthews, uh, Frederick Anderson in the net. They were supposed to be good, and they got they lost in the first round the last two years to Boston, seven games, and now they're in a lot of trouble. They lost to the Blue Jackets in game one, and now they have to I, win I almost tonight. think it's more to say about um, John Tortorella and the Blue Jackets. Oh, yeah, these great, guys, the, well, great last playoff they team. Swept the, uh, they swept Tampa the, the, Lightning the President's and, Cup winners yes. yeah, in four games. And they so, took the Bruins it, to six. But. Yeah, it could be you know a little bit more of that, but I, I think Toronto will be okay, but I would be a little bit that's, worried. That's the, that was, and the Montreal... Fan. Pittsburgh series are the two most interesting series to watch. Also, Blackhawks, Oilers, as you mentioned. You know, you're kind of right, too, in what you said about the intensity is definitely there. They're trying to hurt each other, like you see in playoff hockey. But I don't know if the speed's there yet, and that's not laziness. It's just how it works. And Ira, hang on. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) One... One thing that's interesting that you know we were talking about before we went on air, you know, these basketball players, yeah, it's annoying to have to go in this bubble. They, you know, they're going to sit there for a while without their families. They're still going to get to play in the NBA. The Rangers could be going home tomorrow. They've been there for three weeks. They've been there for three days. They might go home. It's kind of funny how that worked out. Right. I mean, that's that's the question. And, and also, when you're talking about a team that you're down 2-0, and you've been in this bubble, and you're a little tired of it, and you're like, you know what, I just, you know, I'm going to go. And, like, the point is that you, I, I think you're not going to see teams down, even when you get to the seven-game series, I don't think you're going to see, if a team's down 3-0, they're going to be like, you know what, I'm finished. You're going to see that in basketball a lot. I mean, they're in Orlando, you're down 3-0 in a series, I just think that they're just going to, you know, so what, I don't care. It's not like you're, I, I think people are just going to give in, and they're like, they want to get out of the bubble, go back to their lives, they're already earning their salaries. I mean, we're watching the NBA right now. I mean, these teams, like the Knicks of these players, they're playing in this bubble, but but those players get paid because these guys are playing those eight mm-hmm. games. The Nick players are getting paid, so they're they're. I mean, I'm a, and the Hamptons, and I see some of the, the players from the Knicks were out here, and you see them 
out and like they're they're not they're earning their salaries and not playing because they did they would have to go to the bubble. No, I mean, and I agree with you um, wholeheartedly. The Rangers looked slower and worse today than yesterday. And so what's the, you know, they're down two games now. Well, players are complaining you, you, about they're the, not going to look good. The ice three. conditions, because like, mm-hmm. these games are playing three games a day. I saw some complaints about that. I don't think that's the true reason why it looks. Everyone's so playing on the same ice. Exactly. <laughs> um, Ira, what's going on in racing? I have to say, I know this is a little off topic, but we don't talk about Formula One, but we, but we did have the book faster on with Neil Bascom. But I watched early in the morning on Sunday morning, Lewis Hamilton is the greatest race car driver probably of all time. He has won six times. He's only 35 years old. He's a six-time 4 blue one winner. He's won the last 14, 15, 17, 18, 19. He's 87 wins, only behind Michael Schumacher at 91, and the next closest is 53. He's 35 years old. He can race for another how many more years. He can have everything. And for overall titles, he has six. Schumacher has seven. So he's the best racer of all time. So they're racing in the British Grand Prix, and he's on Mercedes' team. So with like three laps to go, his teammates, he has another team, their tires kept blowing because the the way they pitted, they all the teams pitted at the same time for Mercedes, and they pitted, so their tires were going. You're like wondering, well, what is his tire going to go? With a lap to go, his blow starts to go, and he has this huge lead on the field, so he starts to slow down, and he's trying to, he's driving a car with three tires. This is just how good he is. He's driving a car with three tires with the guy in second place who's trying to catch him and going, you know, speeds that are like twice as fast as Hamilton was, but just to even maneuver that around. I mean, anyone who started to drive, it's not a flat tire. He had literally almost no tire at all, driving it around, making winning that race it just shows you that this guy is the best driver of all time and like i'm watching that and it was like the final like two or three minutes you're thinking how in the world is he doing this driving this multi-million car without a tire it was a great win for lewis hamilton and uh just it was impressive just something to see on a on a day so ira we're just about out of time what are you doing this week I'm excited for the PGA. Now, that's, this is the first major of the year, and this is for Tigers. Chance all going to be here. And I'm, it's in Harding Park in San Francisco, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They're going to be finishing late because it's in California. So you get to see it in prime time. I'm pumped. I've been so excited for golf. I think Brooks is playing well. Justin Thomas is playing well. Tiger's going to be, of course, in this. You have John Rahm. You have everybody. Rory and Phil Mickelson had played well this week. Like, I am so excited for this PGA tournament. And plus, with everything else going on, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's total overload. And uh, it's going to be great. But I, this is going to be, now, they're, remember, they're playing the PGA Championship in golf. They're going to take sort of a week off. Then they play the FedEx Series. And then they play the U.S. Open in the middle of September. And then the Masters. But look, Tiger, how many more chances does he have to win the majors and catch Jack? This is one of them, and I'm pumped for this. I, at Harding Park, he was out there while they were playing at uh, the tournament of the World Golf in Memphis, Tennessee. He was in Harding Park practicing at the PJ at the uh, at the course all weekend. So I'm I just I'm going to watch Tiger all weekend. Brooks Kepka, three Pete, heard it here first. <laughs> we are out of time on behalf of Harrison and Ira. I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. Ira on sports.